first podcast of 2019, and I'm sorry to say, listeners, it's going to suck. I'm leaving you here with the boys alone. Oh, no. Well, I, 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 it's a great intro for 2019 to... Uh, I think so. To start I don't think you can really call it a podcast, but uh, enjoy this... Uh, well, without you, the entertainment part is yeah. really going to suffer uh, with it, but uh, it is 2019. I just want to bring up one thing that happened in 2018 at the uh, in the sports that Notre Dame did lose to Clemson. But only by 27 points, not 28 as Alabama did. So we are on the rise. We are making our move there. This Thanks, is, that means we're basically the second best team. That we night. are basic. When you look at it, we are the second best team. So that's just my little Notre Dame shout out because so, I was a little disappointed in that uh, outcome. Uh, I thought we'd at least score a touchdown, but I don't want to. Did they digress. make it to the final game? They made it to the final four. Oh, okay, all right. Which is pretty big for Notre Dame. Did they but. make it to the final game? Well, I thought like, you know, like like the you know. Melissa is leaving us already. Oh, gone. We appreciate you. I'm uh, out of here. You talk sports, I don't know what you're talking you're about. Not, uh, is all you're I not going to another podcast, though, is that it? You're just going from of one to another? Of course I am. I've got so many on uh, today's docket, so okay. I figured I'd uh, right. stop by. Well, we by. appreciate you stopping by, as always. And uh, Today's docket? Wow. <laughs> I like that. All right, like Judge. That. I'll leave you listeners in the uh, failed hands of uh, wow. my brothers and my <laughs> aging father. Not even capable, man. <laughs> wow. 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 I wouldn't call them very capable. You can well, thank you. Thanks for stopping by, Melissa, because you've made this already a winner Enjoy in, our, in our hearts. So, here. Enjoy. so beautiful. So the playoffs are started in the NFL. There were some games that were played as of this broadcast that we're doing. And uh, Stevens Chiefs, his favorite, I think, player, Patrick Mahomes. He's uh, he's close. I, I'm still more Aaron. I still love Aaron Rodgers Aaron more Rodgers. just legacy-wise. But... Uh, this season, Matt Mahomes has been my favorite player for sure. Especially with my boyfriend out, it's been hard. It's it's been a difficult time. Not well, out, but he, he he was clearly injured. I think he most was clearly of the season. injured, and he, he was hampered by that lumber McCarthy. Yes, who's not getting a job apparently. He won a New York Jets job, didn't get it. Maybe and he can be an insider for the podcast. <laughs> we could bring him on as an insider for it. Also, a very good day uh, as of this podcast. The Cowboys lost, oh, which man. always. Uh, Makes me uh, very happy, but I want to talk a little bit about their Rams coach and Sean McVay, mm. who uh, there's been a ton of coaching changes in the NFL, and there's still two more jobs to be filled, I believe, at the time. The Bengals haven't filled the theirs Dolphins yet. Dolphins and the Bengals. And the I Dolphins believe. and the Bengals. But but I think that the Bengals one, is, the Dolphins one is, um, it's going to be Flores from the Patriots, right? Is right, their it? linebacker coach. I yeah, believe. I believe so. And the for the Bengals, it's going to be the Rams. Uh, quarterback, Rams quarterback. Coach. Okay. Now the reason I bring this up is, Sean McVay is youngest coach in the NFL, thirty-three years old, thirty-two years old, mm-hmm. youngest guy in the league, and the matinee idol Cliff Kingsbury, yeah, got hired by the uh, Arizona Cardinals, another the uh, Ryan Gosling lookalike. Yeah. Is he the guy who said coach L.A. was the the, um, the Rams or whatever? No, he used to coach Texas Tech in college. Oh, okay, but right. The reason I bring him up is good contribution, Zach. Well, I don't know because listen, I saw real sports with one coach, who, like he coaches the uh, L.A. Rams. And he was like, that's Sean McVay. Who was that's Sean McVay. Hey, McVay. look at that! Brought us around. See, you got us right. They see how things. No are relation to Timothy McVay. <laughs> no, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. But the, the interesting thing about the coaching changes, and when I want to get all you guys on it. He's the flavor of the big help. Well, no. you'll get more analysis just <laughs> like that right. from Zach. I know a lot of them were fired in one night, right? They did. It was like a bl- always on the Monday after the last game, all the coaches go. But the thing is, there's to me, 
they want to get all the coaches, once one coach is considered the hot guy, the hot coach, not only in looks. because He they also is a handsome fellow. He's a handsome yes. guy. He's young. So all these teams now want to catch like lightning in a bottle. Mm. We want a young, offensive guy, hot-looking, hot. someone that's the face that's going to be the face of the franchise for 10 years because basically that's how long coaches last. After 10 years, you know, you, they start to – the message gets lost and, and these things happen in sports. But that's the thing to me. It's like he's the guru. He's the guy that started this, you know, coming in, changing offenses. We're going to throw the ball all around. But when you watch the game last night, the Rams rushed for 250 yards. They didn't pass a tremendous amount. They ran the ball. But yet teams feel like, oh, we've got it. It's working with one. It's going to work for other. It's like there's no creativity. They're not going to hire the best, but they have to hire the flavor of the month or this is the, the way to go with a coach and whatever. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to do it because it's not like the Rams have won a Super Bowl his first year. He did chain Jared Goff around uh, from his first couple of years when he was in the league to make him this better quarterback. But, Stephen, do you think that like that's – like is that the way to, to look at it or do you just want somebody that's – established or how would you like start your franchise? I mean, these are billion dollar industries. I get it. But you want to have somebody that's going to be your face of your franchise, going to be the, the hot guy or whatever. But is that always the best way to go or? Of course not. I think the way that we evaluate who can be a good head coach is fundamentally, I think, wrong. We always look at, I think sometimes you could be a great offensive coordinator and not a great head coach. I think they're Different skill sets, same thing a defensive coordinator. Yeah. However, now the way the analysis typically tends to go of who should we bring in as our new coach is who's coached under a good coach, right? right. So every Belichick disciple has gotten a job. Cronell, Vrabel, Mangini, uh, McDaniels, Weiss. Charlie Weiss, they right. all get opportunities somewhere to varying degrees of success. And basically now McVeigh is this offensive juggernaut Right. Uh, you know, Andy Reid has a big coaching tree as well. A lot of people. So, right. And Doug Peterson worked out very well. So for the Eagles. For the right. Eagles. Uh, same thing with Matt Nagy in Chicago. So now McVeigh is the new well of talent that they're looking at, right. and it just happens to be that yeah, he's handsome. So I think these younger handsome coaches are getting shots earlier because they're just trying to recreate what this young savant, right. offensive savant, I guess you could say. Um, I think it's lazy, but this is what happens everywhere. It worked here. Let's try and recreate it here. I think the Kings, obviously he didn't coach for McVay, right. but he's young and handsome and an offensive guy. It doesn't matter that his record at Texas Tech was under 500. Exactly. He got fired from Texas Tech. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to work out. It's a, right. He's a little bit outside the box. But I would I think that the way that the analysis is going is very lazy in the sense of McVeigh was good. He's young. He's handsome. Let's get good, young, handsome offensive mind. I mean, right. that's that's sort. I mean, it's hard to look at it any other way than how the hell does Kingsbury have a job exactly. when there are a lot of good college coaches. Our guy in Stanford, we've been saying for years, deserves an NFL Absolutely. job. He, he gets Absolutely. his players to overperform. I think if you look at someone like Stanford, um, David Shaw, who's consistently might not have the best talent, but every year they're 9, 10 wins. He runs a good program yep. there. And that's at Stanford where it's tough to recruit. Where it's right. tough to right. recruit kids to Stanford, you know I mean? right? So, and I'm not knocking the Kings very high. I'm just saying, like, the, the analysis, I think, is lazy 
in hiring. It could turn out to be great, but I don't, I don't think so, right? And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that because you're, you know, uh, like you bring in Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury, right? Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. Yeah, I always get my, my tongue tied with that. Like I said, under sub 500 with, with um, Texas Tech, ran the spread, had Patrick Mahomes, had um, Baker Mayfield for a year, and then mm-hmm. he transferred out. So, yeah, he may know. He may be able to help Josh Rosen, the quarterback of the of the Cardinals now, and bring him in. But they were also talking about Kyle Murray being a, the number one pick who played for Oklahoma last year, who is 5'10", 160, 70 pounds, whatever he is, uh, a top five baseball draft pick, got a $4 million contract from the Oakland A's to go play ball. But he's thinking, I'm going to enter the NFL because look at the way things have changed. And that is is the baseball contract guaranteed? <laughs> well, the thing is, he had to give the money back if he if he chooses to to play football rather than baseball because he's going to give up that. Right. But the, the bonus and whatever he had to give the whole thing back. But when you're a rookie quarterback or a rookie player in the NFL, you get your signing bonuses guaranteed. You're slotted in a certain amount of money. Okay. So if he gets drafted, and they're saying that Will Kingsbury bring him in. He, he mentioned last year that if he were in the NFL, Murray would be his, would number, be his one number one pick. one pick, and the Cardinals just so happen to have the number one pick of the draft. And that's where Kingsbury And that's where Kingsbury comes in. So I don't get why they're also hiring all these offensive like coaches when typically I was I, I was like the seven times that the number one offense, the number one defense that went off against in the Super Bowl, six out of seven times, the defensive team has won. And also, like... Are you telling me I can't speak about that? I'm not like a coach, but how is a QB coach or a, like a linebacker coach going to be better as an NFL head coach than a college head coach who could do the job just as well? Like, how does coaching just one position in NFL make you more qualified than a head coach somewhere else, even though they're college kids? Michael, welcome to the show. Ten minutes in, making a Way strong to go. That was strong. That was hard. Strong I, I just I don't know how a QB coach can hold down a whole team. Well, he's a guy who coached under, under Sean McVay. So but like you said, that's not going to make right. him um, well, well, you know, it is. The, oh, go ahead, Steve. I didn't mean no, to I'm sorry. But, Dad, you touched on a good point talking about the Kyler Murray thing and why all of a sudden is Here's the thing. The, what's, what's changed is the way... The NFL has changed dramatically over the last couple of years, the way it's legislated. It's become so much more quarterback-friendly, quarterback-offensive-friendly. So to your question, Mike, we now want offensive minds always because the, the, the way the game is played, it's so, the, the rules are such that it helps the offense so much. The offenses now have such a great advantage. So everyone's looking for that next offensive mind that could play. Dad, we've talked about it on the show a lot. The NFL, it used to be said that there will not be a spread in the NFL. There's right. not going to be a running quarterback, okay? Right. There's not going to be this. But then we've seen Cam Newton have great success. Yep. Not to compare Kyler Murray to Cam Newton, no, no, but no. Russell Wilson have great success. Right. Russell Wilson, when he used to say a running quarterback was never going to win a Super Bowl, right? right? But then look at Mayfield coming and have the success he had immediately. Yep. The NFL has changed. So to your question, Mike, that we're just looking for that next great offensive mind, and we keep now looking to the well of talent that's learned under McVay. That's how the, that's how the Green Bay coach, that's how LaFleur gets the job. He coached in Tennessee for a year, but yep. he was a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator under McVay. 
But what, you, what makes yeah. McVeigh this guru, even though he's not one, right? He hasn't won. Well, a, he, he's been there now two years, and as Dad was pointed out, playoffs. he ch- turned around Jared Goff's career. Right. Okay. Jared, you saw all the hard knocks. Remember, he didn't know what the sun rose in the east and sets in the west. He was like this kind of California kid, and he wasn't yeah, even sure yeah. of this whole thing. And we talked about him before. And what they've done is he, he was under a defensive coach in Jeff Fisher, who was... <laughs> Knocked by many people saying this guy is so defensive. He doesn't know how to... He, they brought in a quarterback coach just to work with him, but it didn't work out. Right. So they bring in this young McVay. He can relate to this young quarterback that's coming in. They're like, he's only 10 years older rather than 30 years older or whatever. And he's able to, like, and he looks the part. He's dynamic. He's, yeah, yeah. he's this fast-talking, you know, rah-rah type of guy, which a lot of coaches are. Right. I mean, I, even, you know... Uh, Older coaches are, you know, say somebody in their 50s, which I don't think is old, but no. you know, they still have that desire. Like Pete Carroll, he's 60-something years old, and he's got a Russell Wilson-type guy on, on his team where, you know, and you have to have the end. But he's just that look of what is what they want now and whether that's going to work out or not. But to, to me, the, the thing about that, Mike, what you were talking about is they like offense. There's that old adage, offense sells tickets. But defense wins championships. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing. When you you look at the, the points, even in these games, and the playoff games, it's tighter. Your possessions are less. So you still have to have it on both sides of the ball because you can't score 50 points. You see it in the NBA, too. Like the games in the NBA during the year, they're up and down, up and down. But when the games get tighter in the playoffs, the defense is still going to have to make that big stop or that big play. To me, it's what the guy can offer to make a team better. Because Bruce Arians, 67 years old, just got the job in, in uh, Tampa Bay. He's been around um, Ben Roethlisberger. He was the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. He did very well in Arizona. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Andrew he Luck. was around. Andrew. So he's been around players. That, but here's a guy that's 67. But the thing about Arians, which reminds me a little bit of, of McVeigh in this sense, he's... Balls. He's he's McVeigh is a young. He's like, a young Arians. Young, McVeigh is a young Arians. Arians to me is he's sixty seven years old. He's been around. He was very intense when he coached college. He coached at Temple. He went to different places, and he was. We got to stay work eighteen hours, twenty hours a day. We got to be. Now he's realized. He said, "Hey, look, your kids got something to do. Go go be there. This is not the most important thing." It's how you relate to players, I think, mm. is the most important thing and what they're missing here. I don't need some 35-year-old who can't relate to a, to, the, to a team, but he looks the part. I want somebody that's going to be able to walk into a room and command respect. Now, a 35-year-old, I'm saying, can't say he can't do it, but here's a guy 67 years old who has that ability, and he's also a quarterback guy, and they've got Jameis Winston who's had troubles on the field and off the field and, and, and things that he's done. But they want to bring him in and work with – because the quarterback is the most important position in sport. I mean, let's be honest about it. You can talk about any other sport, whatever. The quarterback has always talked about it, the team. You talk about all of them, Aaron Rodgers, Manning, Breeze, Brady, whatever. When you say it's like the Patriots playing, yeah, Tom Brady's team. Or the Packers, it's Aaron Rodgers. That, you may not know anybody else. But that's what's driven. That's why they go after like these quarterback coaches, Mike, or these position guys, because they feel e- either they're a they're young, b they work under Belichick, so they have that like they feel that they're going to be able to by osmosis be a great 
yeah. you know, coach, but yet you also need great players around you. I mean, you know, that's that's the, the other part of it. You can have a great coach. You can get, like, all these guys may be good as McVay that get hired, but don't have the talent either. Do you think that now with this changing, I guess, coaching mentality, will Belichick be with Bel? I mean, is Belichick on his way out now? Because he can't relate to anything. We'll get to that later <laughs> okay. with, that, with that move. I, I know we want to talk about the Pats. I do want to yeah. talk about the Patriots. <laughs> I'll just say before, because you were talking about, then how do you do that? Because that's more my question. I'm not saying that if you're coaching in the NFL, I guess at even any position, like I say you're more qualified than most. Right. But... That is more my question. How do you, as a 35-year-old quarterback coach, come mm-hmm. into now a head coach of the, where you have defensive players you have to watch, like these like grizzled veterans? I'm not saying that. Because the other thing, the coach doesn't just have to groom like the 20-year-old like you know, young mm-hmm. quarterback in. He has to tell a whole team. what. How do you walk in as a 35-year-old quarterback coach and tell a whole team what to do and have like these guys who have been in the league for like 10 years like, how do they listen to him? Well, see, to me, I'm biased, but I think, like, you three guys could, the same way as running a company, could go in, if, if you're really into the sports thing, could go in and do it because I think, one, you have to have the confidence in yourself to do it. And when I look at you guys, I see you have that. So I, I think that's part, no, I, I, I mean that. I think you can go in and you have to, like, I think by the way you carry yourself, the way you're able to communicate, I think that's the biggest issue. I think players now than it was 30 years ago, or 40 years ago, you could tell a guy, either you're going to do what you're going to do my way or you're out. Now, with the millennials and the whole thing, it's more like I've got to explain to you guys why we're doing this, more so than it was when Vince Lombardi coached. Vince Lombardi said, if you're going to run sprints six hours, okay, coach, I'll do it. You tell a player now you're going to run sprints for six hours, they're going to say, I'll call my agent. I'm out of here. See Antonio Brown, right? What mm-hmm. happened with the page uh, with mm-hmm. the, with the Steelers? Yeah, <laughs> team imploded. I think you you have younger players, you know, but your quarterback is always your, you know, if if you're trying to establish and build like they are with with, with younger quarterbacks, I think they want somebody that's going to come in and say, hey, look, I get it. We have to, you know, work with you. We're going to talk with you. They cut down practice time. They cut down OTAs. They cut down where you used to have when we used to go to Giants camp. They used to practice from morning. 9 in the morning till yeah. 12.30, take a break, and then go practice 3 till 6 or 3 to 5 or whatever. Yeah. Now there's only one practice. Things are different. I think what they're, they're trying to say is, I'm giving you a multi-million dollar corporation. I want, and that's what it is. It's a business. It's not a sport. We, we want to, it's sports when they're playing. It's a business every other day. I want you guys to do it, but I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to communicate with you. I'm going to be rah-rah. But that only works if you win. It doesn't work if you lose. I can come in every day. Hey, we lost by 30 points, but we sure did look good that second half or whatever. Well, you, you've got to have that end results. And that's the biggest thing. Sean McVay could flame out in two more years. What if the Rams go like 7-9, and 6-10 and ten next couple well, of years? Well, it's or the whatever? immediate success he's brought. So right. far, it's, it's just because he's turned around Goff, who looked utterly incompetent in his first season. Then McVay comes in, and McVay, now with some of the rules, the coaches can talk to the quarterback, I think, 15 seconds into the play clock. So McVay can say, I'm seeing this. And he can kind of almost feed into Goff his reads from before the play. right? And that's kind of how McVay has really helped um, Goff become a... A, t- a top-tier quarterback now in the league. Oh, absolutely. One of the best quarterbacks. He threw 32 touchdowns. Other than a couple, sna- other than a snag where he hit in the middle of the season, he was excellent. 
Absolutely. So I, I, I was gonna say I just had a question before you moved on about that because I don't I don't know a lot about like uh, the rules of I would say with the coach and quarterback like well, neither, talk. I was gonna say, but so they're allowed to 15 seconds before the snap like be talking to them in their in their headset and they're, they so can, that it, does that in your opinion make it easier these days being a quarterback because you have to read less you just your if your coach is good he can tell you all the reading I didn't know that the sun rose in the east and set in the west and, it, and, it, it, if you want now go he has back to read plays. if you go watching back to uh, hard knocks when they did the season with the Rams he didn't but he was like but he wasn't he goes really I didn't but I'm not putting him down. He was just like 22 years old, and he's like, "Really? I didn't know all this." I mean, you know, there's some people California that don't believe they were dinosaurs, you know. Out, so, yeah. so it's it's just like what, what you're talking about, Mike, with the, the headset and everything else. Yeah, it's going to make is, it a lot easier. This is the difference between though what you're seeing in the NFL in college, and, and what they do is they'll hold up a sign, and it could have a duck, a picture of Zach, and uh, a picture of Muhammad Ali, and, and a football. And the, the kid will just look over the quarterback and go, okay, this is what we're running. Yeah. We're running out of this form. One picture is formation. One picture is, is uh, we're gonna, it's a run. One picture, is, you know what I mean? So yeah. they would do it from that. A lot of these players in, in college don't even take the center snap anymore. You know, they didn't even know what it's like to be under center. Well, that's the evolution I was talking about. It always you, you, when, when we'd evaluate college quarterbacks, we'd say, do they play in a pro system? Are they going to play under the center? Right. right? Which always used to be drop back. Right. Now, the NFL, the concepts are so different. Most teams play the most of the game in the shotgun. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like you need to have... When you're looking at quarterbacks, they need to be 6'3", they need to be the statue, they need to play in the pocket. Right. Yes, all that stuff is still important. You would like a taller quarterback. You'd like to them right. to be able to play in the pocket. But you don't need any more the guy who's played in a pro but, system because the college system is coming to the pros But now. you want talent at that position, too. I mean, that's the, like it used to be, oh, you got a running quarterback, he's going to get hurt. You know, we can't risk having this guy get hurt. But... The, the RPO, this run-pass option, that's the big thing now where I can fake it to the running back and the quarterback can run it or whatever, was like taboo. To, you got to stay in the pocket, got to throw the ball deep. That was Terry Bradshaw. That was the, the Raider you know, uh, model was always, you know, take it and throw it. Throw it deep, that's the key. Now it's, I'll take the snap from center. I can fake the handoff to the running back. I'm going to run it myself. I'm going to throw a little dump pass out. That's how it's evolved, where... The NFL used to be, you're coming in and we're going to change. You're going to change for us, they would tell the player. You're, I don't care right. what you used to do. Now the NFL is, we're going to adapt our system to you. Because Patrick Mahomes, who we talked about a little earlier, was, by a lot of estimations, a third-round, fourth-round draft pick. They'd be like, oh, this guy never played on the center. Couldn't do anything. Andy Reid, offensive guru, does not look anything like Sean McVay, if you see it. <laughs> He's about... 290, got a walrus mustache, He's but a brilliant offensive mind. He saw something and said, I could change that, my style, because this kid can throw the, the ball 70 yards, but he can also run. He's creative. And that's what you have to be willing to do is change up what, you know, you can't be so set in stone if you're not winning to realize we have to be able to do a lot of different things. If we're just vanilla and coming in, we're going to run, Run up! It's we're gonna pass. You know, I mean, you've got to be creative with it. Where Andy Reid was willing to be creative, some coaches 
aren't willing to be creative. And then you then you see the seven and nines or the yeah. six and tens. Look, Adam Gaze, who got fired by the Dolphins, is now the Jets head coach. He was the hot guy two, three years ago. He's going to come in. He's going to change the Dolphins. He's going to change Ryan Tannehill. He was the one that everybody I wanted. I think I remember we watched that seat. Was that Hard Knocks? Was no, that was... That was just remember the, the, Tannehill. The, the, okay, sorry. Yeah. So he wants to come in... Way before Gase got to Miami. He uh, wants to come in and, and change the whole. They did have a coach. They, they were on hard knocks, though. Yeah, they were. Because I remember, I remember and Ryan Tannehill. And Philbin was the offensive Philbin, genius they brought the in before. Yeah. They brought in. But this is what they want to do. And I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Um, uh, that's how much we're paying attention to what I was saying. Well, you were talking oh, about okay, coaches changing their system. They, yes, they brought yes, in Adam yes, Gaze. And he was the, fl- you know, he's going to be the guy. This is what he's going to turn Tannehill. He's going to turn the Dolphins around. They flamed out. Six and ten, seven and nine. They didn't, they weren't what they thought they would be. He gets fired, boom, the Jets hire him because he's an offensive guru, he's young, and we've got a young offensive, we've got a young quarterback now that we're going to groom this guy to be the next star of, you know, of of New York City. He's going to be the next big thing. So this is what, you know, and you're also, there's retreads, and this is what happens. He's still hot enough, they feel, that he's going to get another chance to come in and, and, and help Sam Darnold to be the next Jared Goff or, or Mahomes or whatever. Yeah. And that's, the, that's what they're looking for. Let me, I have to explain something from earlier. You said Bruce Arians and I said balls. Right. I, I got to explain. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you just, just, I thought he has them? I thought he has, had, but what I was trying to I say is... He has Tourette syndrome. To he is... Uh, He's one of these offensive coaches who's not afraid in the way he calls plays either. Right. Doug Peterson, we saw that in the Super Bowl. McVay is one of those guys. I think, uh, you know, there's a couple other who, who aren't coaching afraid. Andy Reid, Matt Nagy. That's why I said ball. And uh, and Bruce Arians is uh, was kind of an offensive guru. as what, Before he got his first right. head coaching job, as you mentioned, he coached a lot of different uh a lot of different great quarterbacks. A lot of different great quarterbacks. Now, now Dad, though, let, let's now move on to uh, what. how do you see the rest of the playoffs? After last night, what do you think the state of play is in well, the playoffs? I couldn't have been more wrong this year. When we called the regular season, we were de- we ha- I had the Jaguars against the pa- Packers. You had the Jaguars against the Vikings. Vikings. None of those three teams made the playoffs. So Terrible. I was absolutely with that terrible. caveat. How do you so see we've the got wrestling? the Chargers and Patriots mm-hmm. the, the, this game, the, mm-hmm. the first game. The other game is the Eagles and Saints. So I'll throw it out to I think, and this I'm not one of the, the, the dynasty is crumbling or the, they're they're finished or they're dead or whatever. I just think the Chargers are going to win this football game. I, I just do. I, I think if if New England's going to win this game, they're going to have to run the ball and get 200, 280, a tremendous amount of rushing yards because. It'll keep the, the, the charges off the field. But I just think it, this is Phillips Rivers' time. He's 0-7 against uh, uh, Brady. And it's just his time to turn us around and, and win this game. And I, I think if, this, if the Saints were playing this game against the Eagles mm-hmm. in Philly, I would take the Eagles. But I'm going to take the Saints. And, okay. So I'm going to say Saints and, and Chargers today. Do you, Mike, what do, you, do you care? Do you... Uh, have well, an interest in it? Do you, are you an anti-patriot guy? Or I mean, like, no, I don't really have like an anti-patriot feel. But I also think it's I also it's hard to like look at because sometimes it doesn't really matter how good a team is doing or if they're poised to win the Super Bowl. If they're doing great, sometimes the people just have that kryptonite. And I could say if he's zero and seven against you know Brady, Brady, he's an aging star. He's forty two, but 
he had that comeback in the Super Bowl last year. He could do something yeah. against Philip Rivers because I know that you'll, I know you guys. He's a Hall of Famer. You think he's great or whatever, but I he he hasn't done he hasn't won the Super Bowl yet. He could flame out against Tom Brady. That's a, that's a bogus though. I, I, I think know. Ch- I think ch- he's been a great quarterback. I don't think it's fair to judge someone if they haven't. Won but the I also rings, think it's fair know? when like they have that matchup that they just can't beat. Like if he can't but the, beat, it's Tom also Brady. the Chargers can't beat the Patriots. Right. It's not Philip Rivers but, can't. But you know what? To, to Mikey's point, though, you're judged by as a quarterback. It's unfairly I, I, whether that was true. But or that's not, unfair. That's all an unfair people judgment. are going to say before this game is, can he finally beat Tom Brady? Like you say, it's not teams that like quarterbacks. It is it's Tom Brady's team. It's Philip Rivers' team. It's right. not the Chargers versus the Patriots. So that's what's going to be. But that's the way everybody does, and I think that's a wrong way to evaluate. It. I don't think know, that's fair. Like I think Tony Romo's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think Tony Romo's a Hall of Fame quarterback. quarterback. Would well, you think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, regardless of what happens I today? I think Philip Rivers is will get in the Hall of Fame eventually. What do you think, though? I want but you. But I, I would though. say for him to be, if you had a vote, and let's say regardless of how today turns out, would you vote? Which you will eventually because of this podcast. Who do you? Think? I, yes, you will because of this podcast. What I can't God, wait for is Zach's, is Zach's, Zach no, and Mike's. Uh, I can't even wait for Zach to vote for the Heisman Trophy. I'm pretty excited for that. Poppy has a Heisman vote. Poppy Levitar <laughs> right, has a Heisman so, vote. You know what I mean? Look, I, scrubs I, up okay. so you know, Daddy, I go when, back and forth with five Rivers. years from now when you have your Hall of Fame vote. Yes or no? Do you have Rivers in? If well, he probably won't be. Eligible. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm going to say wow. This is not hard. right away. He wouldn't get in right away. He wouldn't not be a first, first ballot, ballot Hall of Famer. You're he the worst. He's not a first ballot. Hall of he's better. He's way better than Fouts ever well, was. Let me Fouts, you this, right Fouts didn't get in the first ballot though either. But okay. I mean, but look, there's a lot but, of guys that are in the Hall of Fame that we can right. look at because look, there's there's a. And a lot of people have said this on a lot of different shows I've watched. There's a hall of good, great, or there's a hall of fame. If you have to think about it a little bit, Philip Rivers will get into the hall of fame. There's I no doubt. I don't have to about think it. about it though. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks. Yeah, but you, ever. you give. I, I think with your, you, you pl- first of all, you played. I didn't. You know, you well, played. I played high school. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Man. You still. I look at it this way. <laughs> you give the sure. benefit of the doubt to the player as I do not. To, I, I do think not. you do at times. Yeah. I think I you do. do. I think you, because look, is is I'm feeling attacked, Zach. Are you on my side of there? No, so I, 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 Zach, I, pick a side. <laughs> Zach, pick a side. I'm not attacking you at all. What I'm I saying feel, is, I feel attacked. If you think that Philip Rivers attacked. is a first ballot Hall of Fame, then then why do people still say? Eli's only getting into the Hall of Fame because he's a giant. Let me and tell he you something. I think you either are a Hall of Famer or you're not. I don't believe first ballot, whatever. I think if you're a Hall of Famer, you belong to be in the Hall of Fame. First ballot, uh, no first ballot. No, I don't believe in not a first ballot, but he's a Hall of Famer. No, I think you're no, a Hall of Famer. You said or you're my not vote in five years if he retired. Okay. Let's say Philip Rivers retired five years, he's eligible to get in. Would I vote for him right away? Would you ever vote for him to be in the Hall I of Fame? I would vote for him down the road, but not right but away. So then let me ask you this, though. If you're, so you don't see any disparity between somebody who it is their first year eligible and they get in like a 100% unanimous vote as opposed to somebody who they have a quota every year that they have to let in. No, I, so some horrible, not like horrible if you're but like some mediocre player that gets a, carried into it. Seriously, a, but you said if anybody's in the Hall of Fame, they're Hall of Fame. Here's right? a fair... Here, okay, there shouldn't sorry. be a quote. I'm, I'm so angry. Hey, I'm be dropping my pen. That's uh, you shouldn't to your have point. to get in because they have to let No, they don't have to let a certain number of people in. But to, every year they have like they let like usually it's around five people. Yeah, four. It's, five, it's yeah. who get. But to me, okay, your question is a fair one. 
It also depends who's on the ballot with Philip Rivers because right. you can only let in yeah. a certain number of each year. However, I if I were there, which we will be eventually, um, if I if Philip Rivers is on the ballot, I'm voting for him. Whether I'm not going to consider, oh, it's his first year on. The, I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. I think during his time, he played, and people always say he didn't win rings. You look at who else are on. The, you look at who else he's had to play against. He had to play in the era of the Patriots in the AFC, in just their domination of the AFC. It was a very good Steelers team with with Roethlisberger. Right. You had um, you had a very good Ravens team for years that were were always in the playoffs. I, I think it's hard to and and but, you have to evaluate talent around him. I think, Dad, but, I love Eli. If Philip Rivers was the quarterback of the Giants, they would have won two Super Bowls. You know what I'm saying? Like I think right. if Tony Romo were the quarterback of the I, Giants, they would have won two Super Bowls. I, I think so. this is where. You, um, I think this is where, like, what Dad was saying, where you maybe you're like, oh, with players, you'll look at that. Because if think about it, if he doesn't even come to mind in today's, like, I know he does for you, like, as a great quarterback. When we talk about great, you think like, oh, in the NFL right now, even way back, I'd always say like Eli in this time when he won two, but then he got still like Roethlisberger, Brady, Breeze, Rogers, like all the greats. Now he's not even in like the top five today. How would you say he's one of the greatest ever? If even today's well, not this the top, is this but is a like golden everywhere. age for quarterbacks. But and like even all like the like I think there are three that them. are above everybody else that are playing today historically: Rodgers, Brady, Breeze. Right. right under that, Philip Rivers is right in that well, tier. Let me ask you a question: If let's say this is a scenario that happens, Brady retires, Manning retires, Roethlisberger, Breeze, and Russell Wilson all retire, mm-hmm. along with Philip Rivers. Oh, in the same year? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, hypothetically, right? Now, you know Drew Brees is getting in yeah. for his bout. Mm-hmm. He's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Is Roethlisberger getting in? Two Super Bowls? First ballot? Yes. That's a very fair question. I think Rivers is better than Roethlisberger. As a quarterback, I think Rivers is As a, a better... teammate, I'd say yes, because there's a lot of stuff coming out of Pittsburgh that Roethlisberger throws his players under the bus. He does. But let me, let me say this to you then. Okay, Russell Wilson... It, let's say he, he gets an injury, full on down the steps. Russell Wilson's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, okay. already. So I've got one, two, three, four, five that we've mentioned Wilson, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Manning, and Brady. Did you and, mention Rodgers? Well, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave Rodgers another. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just picking this. And then we've, 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 and we've got Philip Rivers, right? Mm-hmm. So Brady's getting in, obviously. Yep. Manning's getting in, obviously, over. You think so? Over. You've got two Super Bowls you're getting in. I and totally you played understand. In New York. I, I understand. Roethlisberger's getting in. Breeze, no doubt, they're going to put another wing because he's going to have a thousand, hundred thousand yards. And Russell Wilson, I think we get in. Won one Super Bowl, got to another one, fourth round draft pick, and turned that team and made them into. To I think I think Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Was that, totally. that that coach too? Like when we were just talking about coaches before, was that coach too that was like good with Wilson that then made the team so dynamic? Pete Carroll, yeah, you know yeah he would, but he would always get rejects and make the team, and then the, not like rejects, but he would get like the players. You I'm taking it off track, but just no, no, yeah, be, that's a good point because we'd expect that, nothing less of you. Zach, that, no, but, but here's going to back to the point we talked about earlier. Pete Carroll is in his. He look. Pete Carroll looks about. He's like 40 years old. The man's. One of the oldest coaches in the league. I think he's, like, he's the oldest he coach. Yeah. Now look at him. If yeah. you, like Google him or whatever. Silver Fox. But he's yeah. exactly. But he's got that energy and everything. He's like he's got that, and he lets his coaches coach. He did it in college. He was a college hot college coach. Went to USC. He he bombed. He wasn't great with the Jets. He coached New England. Wasn't great. Went to the went to college. Uh, had dynamic teams. They were some of the best college football teams ever. 
went to the pros, went to Seattle, redid his whole career, and he just caught lightning in a bottle by drafting Russell Wilson in the fourth round when they signed... Um, who did they sign for that big contract? Flynn. Wasn't it Flynn, Flynn from the it was Packers? Flynn. Yeah. They signed Matt Flynn for like 15, 18, whatever it was, millions of dollars. And they bring in Russell Wilson and go, holy Christmas. We this guy's so much dude, better yeah. that we paid all this money to this guy. And Russell Wilson is totally, you know, totally transforming this team. And he just was smart enough in, in, in his convictions to say, wait a minute. You know what? We, we signed this. I told him we should sign this guy. But... This guy is going to give us the best chance to win, and, and Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl. And if he had called a running play rather than a pass against the Patriots, he would have won a, he second. Won a second Super Bowl. Marshawn Lynch not right. getting the ball. Marshawn Lynch not getting the ball. But that's this is why the rings argument is so arbitrary to me. Russell Wilson only has one ring, and people say Russell Wilson has one ring. Andrew Luck if they not, if they handed the ball off. Russell Wilson has two. Look, That's why this argument is so stupid to me. That, that people will, say, no, this guy has one ring, this guy has none. I agree You have with to you. look at uh, entire teams win Super Bowls. No, I agree right? with you 100%. That's a coaching. Totally. But people will never change. People will still say, I mean, I don't want to change it, the subject no, no, no. too much. I'm just saying. But I people will still say that. Jordan's better than LeBron 100% because he has three more rings. And they'll and do that for every that's sport. That's a stupid argument. It is stupid, but nobody will ever but, look at it and say it doesn't matter. But yeah. to, no, my, I to, get to Mikey's point, no more sport does it matter than it does in, in the quarterback, Especially the quarterback. at the quarterback position. Because you get all the accolades when you win. Totally. It's Tom Brady and the Patriots taking on today. I know. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. But do you will you hold that against Russell Wilson that he has one ring? No. Will you hold Aaron Rodgers playing under McCarthy's incompetence for years that he has no. one ring? If Breeze doesn't win it this year, he has one ring. No. So that's what I'm saying. I can't hold it against Rivers. I can't hold it against Romo. Honest moment, Dad. Who's better, Rivers or Roethlisberger, in your opinion? Who's better, Rivers if or I was Roethlisberger? Pick. I would take Rivers over Roethlisberger. Who's better, Romo or Roethlisberger? Roethlisberger. Okay, I'm, I think Romo's better. You than love Tony Romo. That's, oh, yeah. that's great. There's I don't no love him. He killed the Giants for years, he and I thought did, he was exceptional. But I can say that now that he's done. But he didn't win. Uh, I, know, I know. He didn't win. He never got to a Super Bowl. He, he, didn't, he didn't even get to a Super Bowl. Did he even win a playoff game. game? He won. I think they won one playoff game under. Yeah, that's where you had. You know, he's, he's got a couple playoffs. He's got a couple he's playoffs. Got a couple. Oh, I was going to say, like, if you're going to the point like that, okay, you were one play away from getting two rings as opposed to one. But if you're a guy who can't win, like, one playoff game, I, I think that's I was very happy it didn't happen, but Tony Romo was a bogus catch call away from going to the NFC title I, game, and who knows what would have happened. Look. I, you know, you, you see my – that's all I'm saying. I, 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 I totally get it, but I always go back to Tion Sanders when, uh, when yeah. Tony Romo said that he never tackled. And one of the best lines ever was, Tony Romo, I got a gold jacket that I didn't have to buy. All right, all check right. Me. Yeah, so he got checked, there, and we both right. love Dion. Dion's my favorite. I have to Dion say might be the, my favorite football player of well, all time. And I got to tell you, the, this is getting way off track, but the NFL Network has got to put Michael Irvin and Dion Sanders back together. Together, 100%. I don't know why they've got Shannon Sharp and Ladamian Tomlinson working on that late night show with primetime. Mm-hmm. You got to have Michael Irvin. You have to. The two of them back together. That's it. That's a. That was, was that the one with Stephen A. Smith though. That time you sent well, that video. Yeah, that was those, Stephen. Those two need to just be together. Stephen A. and Michael is Irvin insane. is insane. They were going back and forth. That was great. Michael Irvin is yesterday great. on television was tremendous because he is <laughs> great. Cow- he like as much as I hate the Cowboys, he loves the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. And he was going on about the Cowboys and. 
this is the, if they win this game, they're going to win the Super Bowl. If they lose this game, they're going to be like we did against the Lions, and then we went on and won three out of the next four Super Bowls. And he's predicting that this Cowboys teams, this is what he said yesterday, are going to win three of the next four Super Bowls. And he said that the triplets of uh, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dak Prescott are going to be better than Aikman, Irvin, and um, um, Evan Smith. He said this yesterday on TV. Yeah. Now that's loving your Cowboys. Jesus. And I was like, and why did we like, not get a why did we not get a national alert about this that I, Michael Irvin said when this. he said that yesterday? The rest of the guys on the set were going. We got to rethink our priorities what? because as a nation, that should have been a national that emergency. Is crazy. Michael Irvin says that the triplets of Dak, Zeke, and Cooper will be better than Irvin, and Aikman, they're going to win. They're going to win three of the next four Super Bowls. Oh. He says starting next year. That's I, I almost need to stop talking football. This right. is too hot. Now you, Zach, you brought up the Patriots. And oh, I wanna, please, I, thank God, we need to change. I, I want to get to them in, in this respect, and then talking about the Cowboys. I, and I don't like. Up. I don't like to give the Cowboys any press or whatever. But the Cowboys have been mediocre for twenty something years. Twenty five <laughs> years, yeah. whatever. Okay, so, and, and here are the Patriots that are. Last 15 years, winning Super Bowls, competing, losing, winning Super Bowls, being great. Why do we like? As to me, it seems like in sports, we love to we love to build teams up or people up, and then once they reach this certain level of greatness, we can't wait for it to start cracking. Rather than just saying. Like it, it can no, be, I, it, it, that, that, it, it, it happens everything. in, but it's Every, like teams. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like anything. Well, even I, this is totally off topic, but in the sense that it's like it becomes cool to like things until it's not, and then it's cool to hate something. Like you, like it's even um, they'll say like Game of Thrones, top of the world, biggest thing ever, right? right? But up until this most recent season, people are starting like saying how it's fallen off and it's bad. Even Walking Dead, like this for shows, movies, players, like they. Fans who love something, whether it's sports or games, right. right? They will build it up to be on a pedestal to like to the point where it's not like it's untouchable, and then so it becomes cool to like bash it because it's the best. Because you want to bring it down. I don't know why. Well, it's like this podcast. So. It was this cool small thing. Yeah, and now, now it's huge it's everywhere. Yeah. No, now we had so got, many fans. Now we have so many haters. You, yeah. If you could look outside and see the line of people trying to get in here right now, it's insane. It's crazy. We got crowd control like crazy outside. It's just yeah, nuts. It's the paper mache gym heads are just crazy. It's a little bit well, nuts. Well, well, next week we have. I just talked to our booker. We have Dion and Irvin coming on next week. Tell you right now, I pass out. But what do you think? You, you know what I'm saying? Well, uh, absolutely. I, I think that's. I don't know if that's American culture or just culture in general. But we love to create the great thing, the right. thing that everyone has to watch, the juggernaut. We love it. It's it's the best thing. Or you love to hate it. So then you have also the people who love to hate it, and they they build it up and build it up. And then it just there's this weird crossover point where everyone gets done with hearing it, and it's it, it, take it down a peg. Well, let's let's bring Mikey back into this conversation about his favorite topic that he spent what? hours on, on the show. Where <laughs> we've we've had to, I've had to edit six hours. These episodes I put out where Mike starts talking about Durant, those are fractions just, of fractions of Mike's, Mike's Durant. 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 <laughs> we the Durant. Have so those, really, it becomes do. like two. So the Warriors, right? Like they were this cool thing when they were just right. playing. They were coming up. And they were coming up. And then they bring in Durant, and it's almost like it's unfair. Like, so it's that same kind of thing. The Patriots have been so good for so long that we can't wait to see them. Because everyone... I never liked them. <laughs> yeah, but, but let me... 
But Dad, do you remember when they won that first Super Bowl? It was it was that year. Well, that they beat was, the greatest show on turf. They beat the greatest show right. on turf, and they were the Patriots. Don't forget what happened the the year. It was 9-11, and it was right. the Patriots won the Super Bowl right. in that year after. So they right. were this like they were this underdog team with this young quarterback that they right. were young, and people generally liked that team. And then they won too much, and we hated them. Right, but see, either way, it's great for ratings, right? Hating the right. Cowboys and hating, hating the, the Patriots, Cow- loving the Patriots. It's great for I can see it in because in, it, it's difficult to have a, a TV show that's going to last – 10, 12, 15 years and be, right, yeah, be good. good. You know what I mean? Because you can only do so many storylines. You know, if it's a comedy, how many times are you going to, like, lose your wallet or forget it's your wife's anniversary and blah, 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 or whatever you want to, you know, talk about. But are those plot lines or just things you've done in your life? Those, no, I've never forgotten either one of those. But <laughs> never forgotten anniversary? Never forgotten anniversary. Off the top of your head, what day is it? October 10th. There you go. 10, 10, 18. 10, 10. So, but in sports... Like, you always look at it, like even Patton said, you always admire the champion athlete, the best runner, the best player, you know, Marvel shooter. From, from, from way back when. But once they achieve it, and you keep it going with never, it's not like on a show where you're adding a, a great cast member coming in. The Patriots have never had a bigger star on their team than Tom Brady. Maybe Randy Moss for the one year, that great receiver. Yeah. But other than that, when you look at it, it's Tom Brady and the role players. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's like good band too, by the way. Tom, Tom Brady, Brady and the role players. I mean, you think of it, you know, because you, you have two guys, Brady and Belichick. Like him, hate him. He doesn't talk to the press. Belichick. He's like they asked him like this this past week. You know, the weather is going to be taken. He said, "We're not playing the weather. We're playing the Chargers." Mm. You, you drown out everything else. The guy doesn't give you a soundbite, but he does what he does. They win every year. But yet, to me, what drives me insane is as soon as the Cowboys or other teams get oh. Are they going to be the next? Are they going to be as good? But you know what? You have to prove it. You have to be consistent. You can only play who you play. It's not like you could pick your schedule. Right. You go out, you're playing in the AFC East. The, the, the Patriots can't help. They're playing in, in a division that, that hasn't been great for all these years. The Buffalo Bills went to four straight Super Bowls, lost four Super Bowls. But you know what? You don't want the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl? Beat them. You want this dynasty to crumble? Beat them. Either well, way, that, it's good for the NFL. That's, I yeah. think it's a storyline. It cre- it, whether right. you love the Patriots, hate the Patriots, the Patriots still being there with Belichick and Brady, it's great if they continue to win, and boy, is it great if they fall. Right. Because then somebody else is going to pick up that man. And that's, you hope. And that's not even just for like the Patriots, even though they've just been for the past like 15 years. But it's also like I remember... People loved the Seahawks when they were coming up and like being a team. And then when they finally won, like with Russell Wilson, it was like amazing. And then they got back there next year, and it was amazing. And then you know they were always talking about these guys, like you had like uh, uh, who was it, Richard Earl Sherman, yeah, yeah Thomas, uh, Bennett. Yeah, yeah, Bennett, yeah, Bennett yeah. Thomas, like Russell Wilson, like Marshawn Lynch, and it was great. But then when players started, like when Pete Carroll like started like clashing with. Uh, who is it? Uh, Sherman, and then players right. started leaving. People like were happy, even for the Steelers. People liked watching the Steelers. Le'Veon Bell. People exactly. love that, but now they love that he left, and now they love that Antonio Brown's leaving. The coach might get fired. It's like they like watching the rise, but right when it hits its peak, they love watching it just come apart. It's narrative. It's yeah. a story. And now with the NFL, I think that. You know, as the game's changing, it's more they have to have storylines. Like, every week it has to be a, a storyline for some fan, not you. No, no, I totally agree with that. It's a, yeah. it's a perfect point. You have to have storylines. But, you know, why can't the storyline? Because everybody, like, what do every coach or every person and say, I want to be better 
tomorrow than I am today. I want to be the best person I can be. I, whether it's my job, whether it's taking care of my family, whatever I'm doing, I want to be the best at it. Well, here's a group of, of, of here's a team, an organization that's been the best. Whether they haven't won the Super Bowl every year, but they've been there almost or are competing every year for greatness, that we look at it and go, yeah, but I'm tired of seeing them being great. But then. In sport, is the only way you can do it. It's not like you can rival another. I'm going to make a movie better than that movie because it's it's different. I got a football team. You got a football team. We're going to play on Sunday or Thursday or Monday, whenever. If I can do it, I can beat you. If they beat me, then they deserve the accolades they get. You have in sport, you have to win. Right, but there's a winner and a loser. There's a, there's Simple a couple things going on here. There's also the air of the Patriots are dirty. Right, it's the it's the the flake it's the flake gate, spy gate. That, now, whether those are whether those give discernible advantage, whatever. Right, those are the air of the Patriots is what they've done. This empire that they've built, it's like the right. crooked politician who he's gotten there. They're the through, evil empire, the, exactly. You want to say? Right? I get, I get some of so that. So that, that creates a lot of it too. But here's the thing, right? It's if one team keeps winning, right? There's a lot of teams that don't win at all. Right. So all those fan bases hate the Patriots, right? No, like, I, if you're the Lions fan, if you're right. a Cardinals fan. Well, look, fan, if you're a Jets fan, a Dolphins fan, or a Bills fan, you hate the Patriots because course. they win every year, and they're in their division. And they go, oh, well, the, how can we ever win? The Patriots are there. But you know what? Draft better. Coach better. Play better. That's your business. You're getting paid well, to win. But it's easy for them to say, oh, we could be there if they weren't cheating. Exactly. And that's what it becomes after. Yeah, that, but you know what? Right? They didn't cheat every... You no, know, I, also, I'm just saying that's, that's, that's no, part of it. That's perfect. That's, you, I understand It that. becomes a juggernaut, too, because like you, as much as you say, I have to edit out my Durant stuff, but it became... It wasn't like, oh, the Warriors were like, like you know, whatever, like they drafted Durant, brought him up. It was the fact mm-hmm. that he came there, he was great, mm-hmm. and he made better. So it's like, you always have that with the Warriors, like, oh, you had to buy the best players. You have that with the Patriots. Oh, you had to cheat to get where you are. It's like they'll have to. If you're an empire like like that, like a great like, it's true. It is you, an empire. You just get undermined by the fact like what you've done. Well, yeah. Cheating people. What happens to empires is they yeah, get crumbled. So, and they crumble. But you know, just just one point I want to make. It's not also just the winning. I mean, which is you know it, it all feeds into it. But it's how you win. It's how you conduct yourself. When you win, if you're one of those fan bases that has lost consistently, and then you see Tom Brady walking around with like all of his rings on, dancing like a jackass, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any stake in the game. I don't right. like the game. I cannot stand. I don't know. Again, if it's an American thing, if we like the underdog or something like that. But then when a person is just like they've won so much, they've gotten to this peak, and you know that when when we used to play football outside, I spiked the ball once. He said, "Act like you've been there." Right. They they, right. they don't. They they flaunt it. So it's then I you didn't mean did. you had to quit playing the sport altogether. Well, you know what? I I, that, I that peaked. really stayed with you, but you peaked. But <laughs> you peaked, right? But yeah. I, I get what you're saying. But don't you want to see like greatness though? Why do you keep looking at like a movie you like a thousand times? Why? Because it's a great. But movie. not everybody likes that movie though. That's the thing. Like, but it's you, so subjective. But I'm saying, but but. Okay, I'll, I'll take like, I, I get it, right? But I'm just talking about you as as like whoever it may be. You watch the same movie over and over because it, you think it's great, or you listen to the same song because you think it's great. Like everybody, like consensus, hey, the Beatles were great. They had some song that. So why are we still listening to greatness from 50 years ago and saying they're great, but we're looking at greatness happening right in front of us? And you have to say they're great, but, but like oh. The dynasty's crumbling. They lost the game. That makes or, for, it makes or, for good fodder. I, I, no, I, I get that it makes for fodder, but 
like, and you always want to see, like you said, dynasties are going to collapse, things are going to collapse, and whatever. But at the time you're watching it, in 20 years, you're going to say, wow, those guys are really Wait till great LeBron wonder. retires, because he gets all this hate now, and he didn't do that. Right. When he's gone... Do you know how much he's going to be appreciated for oh, what yeah. he's doing now? Yeah, when Derek Jeter retired, it was like a day of national mourning. They right. had to, like hold a commercial, and everyone how, and doing and that. You're hand. a Yankee fan. How many people outside of New York oh, hated hate Jeter until he's retiring? Then it's commercials with every team saying, "We love you, right. Derek." This is right. this is Derek very Jeter was hated by non-Yankee fans. But if you talk to players, and, and I'm going to bring up Joe Namath in a second too, because f- Derek Jeter was talked about like from. Players from every team, like being one of the greatest guys to ever like be around. When he played on like the uh, USA team and stuff like that, every guy that was on that team said Jeter would do this. He would take us out. He would do this. He never felt he was better and bigger. He would take us all out for dinner. He would do all these things. That's what Jeter did. To the players respected him. Right. That's what what I think you want more. I don't, if a fan hates me, it's like he's respecting me because I'm playing on a different team. That's the thing. Jeter doesn't care that guys that play, that, you know, team, people from the Baltimore hate me because I played for the you know the Orioles. We beat them and whatever, or the Mets or whatever. He doesn't care. But when he retired, you got to respect the guy for what he did. He won rings. He he never was like. And he did it when he was essentially a good guy. And he did that. it at an age where if you made one misstep. It was all over. You're playing in New York, which brings me to 50 years ago with Joe Namath. I don't think you guys would have no concept of how big Joe Namath, though, was. I mean, my father was, told my brother, no mustaches. Shave your your mustache. It's got to go. Joe Namath had a mustache. It was cool. Joe Namath, like my brother had to shave. Get that? No facial hair. That mm-hmm. you, that's crazy. Long hair, cut that hair. It's crazy. Joe Namath did it. Now, my father was a Democrat, but he was conservative in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I said, no facial hair, long hair's got to go. You, jeans, what do you do? You know, dress nice, look. Whatever Joe Namath did was my father, like, worshiped Joe Namath. Everybody that I knew that, not only in New York, now I'm 10 years old at this time, loved Joe Namath. Even Jet fans, Giant fans love Joe Namath. He was the coolest thing going. He, he predicted they were going to win a Super Bowl against a team that they had no shot being on the field. Every player on every team in the AFL at that time, which was with two, two different leagues, the AFL and NFL, was either, when they did this um, documentary about the AFL, was either trying to call him up, crying to say, we now are accepted because... We are as good as the NFL because the first two Super Bowls, they got wiped out by the Packers. The Packers were the Yankees, the mm-hmm. the, the NFL. They beat the Chiefs one and they two. They beat right? the Chiefs and the Raiders in one and two. Then, Namath good memory. are playing the Baltimore Colts. 14 and a half, 15 point favorites, whatever. This is a joke. This is going to be a wipeout. You have Johnny Unitas, you have Earl Morrill, you have great players on the Baltimore Colts. There's no way. Namath goes. The first guy to say, I guarantee we're going to win. Now, on the back page, now, Messier did it in 94. That was yeah, the first but like And it. everybody that's done it, but nobody did it. Name it, did it first to say, I guarantee you we're going to win. They're no better than we are. In fact, I guarantee we're, we're going to win this game. To do that at that time when people were like, 
these Colts are a juggernaut. They're like the Patriots, whatever. They're going to run the ball. They're going to pass. They're going to kill you. Name it. One, after he won that Super Bowl, amazing. So then what was the anniversary? You got to tell you. The it anniversary. was the Yesterday Super Bowl, was the anniversary Super Bowl of, the, of the, that Super Bowl three where Namath and, and the Jets, and you have to say it, Namath and the Jets, because every Jet player that they've ever saw interviewed say, he willed us to win that football game. We were not going to lose that football game. It was Joe Namath. And then the mystique and the aura of Joe Namath was, was built. There was I hate no, to say it, though. Namath was overrated. He had more I, interceptions than touchdowns for his Steven, career. you can't. You, uh, I, I, if this was somebody else, I would say it. But you can't overrate what this guy did. He caused leagues to merge. But that was he, more of his star power than was. Well, no, because was, if they had lost that game, this wouldn't have happened. That's true. He created jobs for more players. The, the, the AFL could have crumbled after a while. He created teams in more cities that didn't, you know what I mean, made football. And he owned New York City. Owned it. He owned Bachelors 3, which was a, a restaurant. He had commercials. He did commercials with Farrah Fawcett. For, he wore pantyhose in the commercial. They talked about him on Mad Men. He, <laughs> Joe Namath was... Michael Jordan, LeBron, uh, the only athlete you could probably compare him to was uh, the bigness and the greatness. Mom Ali was, was worldwide, but Joe Namath was known all over, too. Joe Namath was, you had a TV show for one year with Dick Schaap, and he interviewed from Clint Eastwood to Muhammad Ali I, to <laughs> Truman Capote. He had a, a half-hour talk show. I've, I've seen clips of that. It's, it's bonkers. You don't know, like, and I'm only 10 years old, and I'm a, I hate the jet, right? But then there's Joe Namath, and you're like, how do you not like Joe Namath? I mean, you cannot not like Joe Namath. Almost like a comparison here, something like with Bobby Orr. He was on the Bruins, but you loved him because you, right. you had to because he but was just a man transcended was, the sport. It was great, but he didn't have the. He's still, oh, and he's so he didn't have the country. He didn't have the. If Bobby Orr played football, For football yeah, he if, would if be, it was, But he, Joe Namath was like, I got three women. He was doing movies with like Ann Margaret, who was like this iconic beauty and, the, and it, the movies were terrible but it's Joe Namath so you, my father would watch a Joe Namath movie. there was nothing that Joe Namath couldn't do that you didn't like if my father had, had money because he said I guarantee when, when he heard get, Namath say guarantee he guaranteed two things in my life my father that Joe Namath and the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl and that Nixon would reti- uh, resign as soon as the scandal he, he said this guy will not finish out his term those are the two biggest predictions my father ever made as far as sports and politics, and he was right on both. And if he had money, he would have won billions because there was nobody, even in New York at that point, that, that weren't diehard Jet fans because you had a lot of staunch uh-huh. Jet, you know, Giant fans. But what he did and how he transcended it and how he's still big now. I met him a few years ago. There were hundreds of people around this guy. He was iconic, wearing the you know, fur yeah. and just looking the part and, and the ladies around him and, and, and just the men, you know, like it's like every woman wanted to be with him and every man wanted to be him. That was Joe Namath. That was the thing with him. And, and to think 50 years, it's still, he's still that big. I mean, he had his problems with drinking and things like that. And he'd be in a little trouble in the Me Too era, I would say. He, you know what, Stephen? But at, at, at this point, Joe Namath was the kind of guy that would walk into a room and every Everybody would converge on him, men and women. Not they sure. all wanted it. They all want it, it. Was never like he did think. Everybody 
loved Joe Namath. There wasn't a guy that I know that, you know, at ten, my, my father loves him, and he's telling my brother, cut your hair, shave your mustache. Hey, Joe Namath's guy. Well, yeah, but that's Joe Namath. You're no Joe Namath. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the thing. That was how big he was. Like, as big as their stars are, yeah. and it's difficult now because there's so many, there's, you know, you can have a podcast, you can be on TV, you have cable, you have whatever. But there was nobody, nobody bigger in New York sports. You know, Mickey Mantle was was iconic. But Joe Namath, at that time, in 1969, the, the moon landing, Broadway well, Joe. He was Broadway so Joe. So, well, would you say, like, basically, you know how, like, they say Kennedy basically killed hats because President Kennedy didn't wear hats. Right. Before Namath, the players looked like um, Johnny Unitas, right? Like, square. Pete Rosell, I was telling Stephen before we started the podcast, Pete Rosell said no facial hair in the NFL. None. I Can't have it. it. More, please. So, he's like, okay. But he... Does a commercial for a razor and gets paid fifteen, ten or fifteen thousand dollars to shave his mustache off, and people are like, "I'm buying that Remington. I'm buying that Remington because of Joe Namath. Pantyhose he puts on. If my legs can look good in these, now what athlete could get away with that? But Joe Namath no, wearing pants in, in 1969. Think so, about it. So bigger event in world history, Joe Namath calling it or Nixon resigning? Which one's a bigger event in the history of? I'll world tell you. Nixon didn't call his resignation, but Namath did call the uh, David did call it. But I can't think of a, even an athlete now that has that kind of. I mean, there's great athletes and whatever. It's a different media landscape, though. True, too. and to your point, like his stats were. But when you ask every player that played with him and against him, uh, they interviewed like Fred Dreyer, who used to play for the, the Giants and, and the Rams. He said, "Look, when you notice the way guys used to pummel quarterbacks back in the day." We never wanted to hit Namath hard. We wanted to hit him, but we'd always either help him go down or we'd pick him up because we knew what he meant, not only to football players, but to the sport in general. When he was on the field, we knew ratings were up. We knew that we were going to talk about football because baseball owned it in the 60s still. Namath made that difference. Namath made that football. He said, we never wanted, nobody ever wanted to hurt Joe Namath. Because of what he did for the sport, mm. and he said, "This is a decade where there was no, you know, I, I'm not hitting high. I'm not hitting. I can hit low. I can hit high. I can hit every." And he did basically all this on one leg. Joe Namath's knees were were shot. He had nothing in his knee. He couldn't move. He couldn't. But he threw his all arm. He couldn't put his leg into throw. He played at Alabama. He was Bear Bryant's favorite. I don't mean to go on about Joe Namath, but my fa- that was my father's. He loved Joe Namath, Tom Seaver, Joe Lewis, and Rocky Marciano were my father's like four iconic uh, 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 athletes that he loved. But Namath, forget it, could do no wrong. Uh, he was he was the guy. And in fifty years, I think he has to be uh, has to be talked about that. So um, I need to shout out one more anniversary that happened yesterday as well. Go twenty three years ago yesterday. Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. The Wayne's Brothers hysterical comedy, one of my favorite movies of all time, hit theaters. I think you see twenty three years. So ago. we're wow, talking about and where ago. did the time go? Uh, where did the time go? So that's nineteen ninety six, we're saying. I believe so. I was, I was ten. Going with that? Yep. And how old were you in nineteen ninety six, Michael? I was not born yet. You were not born yet. Just to just to put it into context that you were not even the born. Well, yeah, movie of all time. We do have, and you know, I don't know if we're gonna have a podcast. Um, 
before, but Michael's birthday is the 28th of... Uh, 26th. 26th. Wow. 26th. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at you and think, yes, the 26th. <laughs> exactly. The 26th. Well, 26th. So this would be a good time to plug our podcast. The name is Past His Prime, and the reason is just what uh, happened. Just what just happened. Just there. There, yeah. You look like I can remember your names. And going back, see how much I remembered from 69 rather That's than... That's crazy. You can remember 50 years ago like it was I can tell you very what that was. <laughs> him walking... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it might be the passes prime to the Dementia podcast. Uh, that's not even... But it was, it was an amazing time. I and I'm only 10 and I... Re- it was like crazy. You wanted to be Joe Namath. I even had a Joe Namath jersey. That's how crazy that was. And I was a giant fan. Growing I up. had a number 12 green... And white Joe Namath jersey, and I love that thing, and I can't find it. Before so, you, Stephen, I've saved everything. When Dad had nothing to talk, no one to talk to about this stuff. But he would, you, you loved Joe Namath. When like I knew nothing, but I knew that you loved Joe Namath. Yeah, everybody loved Joe Namath. That was I think if we're going to name this podcast, everybody loved Joe Namath. And I'm telling you, it was it was great. Next think, next episode, we'll get into your recollection of Nixon resigning. We, we could, do that. I, I remember, do you remember that? I remember watching the Watergate, coming home from school, and the Watergate hearings were on. And I remember watching it on Channel 13 every day. Put that, it was on, it was on two, four, five, it was on set. Uh, your, your mother, my wife, was upset mm. because they didn't have the soap operas on during that time. They would have to put them on late night to make up for the people. But I put on Channel 13 and watched it every day. And you saw, well, I don't want to get political, but you could see how cool some of those senators were then. Well, no, the, as to what that was they, a great, who, who were some of the cool senators from there? Well, Sam Irvin, Howard Baker. Michael Irvin's brother. Michael Irvin's brother. Daniel Inouye of, of, of Hawaii. Just great. Who? Um, Daniel Inouye. He, he was, was a Hawaiian. Daniel Inouye. He only had one arm. He was, he was, in, he was in World War II. Yeah, and he lost so an arm. Cool. And he's still there. Like, well, he was, he no, was there. Not, not, he wasn't still there, there, but he was there for it because they just That's gave him a so medal. Cool. Yeah, he was, but he, had, yeah. Yeah, he was a, a, a unbelievable. He was like an amazing story, too. Didn't yeah, he was. Whole platoon. And I'm drawing, of course, here's my senior moment, the actor that was on it. Also, oh, my God, he's a famous actor. He was one of the senators during the Watergate hearing. Uh, Southern guy. Oh, my God. This is horrible. This Ronald is horrible. Reagan. Dalt, Fred Dalton Thomas? Fred. Right. Fred. Was it Fred, Fred, Fred Thomas is his last name? Yeah. Well, he was, but he was a Republican, right? Fred, yeah, but yeah, he was Fred, on the, he was Fred on the hearings. He Thompson, was on, yeah. Fred Thompson. Fred Thompson. He, thank you. You're for that. We can cut that. So to who was the I chairman? I just said Fred Thompson. Who was the Sam chairman? Sam Irvin. Sam Irvin was the chairman. From North that. Carolina, who says, oh, I'm just a country lawyer. He's still like that. I'm just a country lawyer. And then Howard Baker goes, yeah, you're a country, a country lawyer that went to Harvard University and graduated, like, top three in his class. Yeah. But he would ask questions, like, in such a homespun way. And I'll always remember, like, you know, Howard Baker, what did the president know and when did he mm-hmm. know it? And when they found out that there were tapes, Ooh. they were like, ooh. They all like it was like Whoa. they all let, leaned in and go. You're saying that they taped the things in the White House. And he goes, yeah, all his conversations were taped. I'm like, so who who were boom, the boom, boom, boom. who were the best interviewees? Was it like uh, Baker and Irvin? No, or, I meant the people being interviewed, like Archibald Cox. Was it uh, was it the, the John Dean, the, the counsel? Well, like, Dean was like you know he was the star of it, riveting because he was ripped and said, you you guys don't you know th- this was going on, and I felt it's my duty to. To say America. what's going on, and he was like trying to save America and what's going on now, basically. And I don't want to get political, whatever. No, but no, this is a culture. If you can look at, if you can, I 
know how, but I'll tell you, you know who was great with it? Dick Cavett did tremendous. Oh, who can forget Dick Cavett? Dick Cavett did shows from the, the where they were holding the Watergate hearings. Wow. He did shows from there. He had an audience come in later on. It was he was one of the first guys really to get into it. Dick Cavett too. Like late night, and to talk about it not being like, oh, so today Nixon, you know what I mean, like Carson and whatever. Dick Cavett was your like the John Oliver a kind of kind of, but, but not as but you know yeah. that Connecticut, you know, yeah. like that. But he had everybody on. To Dick Cavett was a great show, also. But you watched Johnny, you didn't watch Dick, and you couldn't tape at that point. So, yeah. but I will get into the Watergate at another times and things like that. And, and like also, the, you also talk about Jerry Ford's day drinking as well. Right? <laughs> well, that. we'll get into that. If I can, rem- I'm trying to remember some of these things. He had drinks at lunch, and <laughs> but I remember like, coming home. That was a power lunch, man. You know, he did. Well, that's a true thing. Yeah. Ford used I lived to drink in Harrison, New York. My parents had separated. I lived in Harrison. I would come home, put the TV on, Channel 13, and to show you what some crazy, I remember. The Bobby Fisher Boris Spassky chess match <laughs> that they had on Channel 13. They Boris actually Spassky. tell them, I'm like, I'm not kidding you. You would go home and they'd have this big board because they couldn't get it. Yeah. King to Bishop Sep. King to Bishop Sep. And they're moving, and I'm watching this thing. I'm riveted watching chess. I'm like, I don't know how to play chess. I don't even know how to set up the board at this point. But Channel 13 is like, we are showing from Reykjavik, Iceland. The Bobby Fischer, Boris Spassky, and you're just like, what? And it's just like, well, the guys are in the room. It's this board they're showing at this point. I was, you just see the moves. That you these see guys the moves. There's a cold war, and man. then you, you have guys like, everything. like breaking down. Like uh, this is, and I'm making up a name here. Uh, Tom uh, Beasley, who is a world-renowned chess player. What an unbelievable move that was! <laughs> and they'd be breaking it down because, and they weren't like, like you see some chess matches. They move no, and very slow. Well, next week before we have Irvin and Sanders, Tom Beasley will be on. We're gonna. If I wish I could get some of the names and watch. If you could YouTube that, the, the Spass. I watched. I watched the documentary. The, I, was well, Bobby Fischer yeah. was great. Yeah, absolutely great. But you didn't know that at the time because yeah. it was Soviet Union, which is still is today the Soviet Union. I've said that. and I will say that till the day I they bury me. It's still the Soviet Correct. Union against the U.S. And it was anything the Soviets did against the U.S. The hockey game in '72 that I gave you the program. Yep. That was insane, insane. That you want to talk about, and nobody like. But I remember, <clears throat> and I'm going on, and we're going to have to cut this. So the no, Russians are old. the Russians old. are playing. The, I, usually, I think most of what we do is terrible. This is pretty good. The Russians are playing the Soviets, and you know how you have the pregame skate, Mike, right? Yeah. Wait, the Ru- the Russians the are Russians playing? are playing. Excuse me, the Russians are playing the U.S. Right? Yeah. So they're, they're they're out on the ice, and I forget if it was Madison Square Garden or where the game was. Having to skate around where they're all they're having to skate around, right? right? Skating the so you know they, they go. One of the Russians crossed over the line onto the Canadian. Yeah, and a plowed, plowed him. Bobby Bobby Clark took a stick during one of the games. Oh yeah, and it, broke the ankle of one of the Russian players. The level of hatred between the Canadians and the Soviet Union and. The doc, they did a documentary about yeah, it. Was well, I, I remember watching it because they did it for both sides. Fascinating. It was great. Fascinating. If you ever, I can't remember, but it was just like, and they were they brought their own beer. The Canadians with them. They brought. They, they were worried. They said you can't you can't talk in the rooms because everything is being. And they were finding but microphones in the room. They said it was crazy. You couldn't do anything. But the level of hatred and intensity. And I don't even know how I got, I don't even remember how I sent away for it. I said, but I got to get this. It was Gold Magazine, but it was USSR Canada series. 
and it was close. It wasn't like it was a blowout for the the you know the Canadians. Well, I mean, the we, Russians like they'll, they'll kill your family if you mess they them. were they were it was but that was seventy two. That was an, an incredible incredible thing. But but at that time, ooh, and you thought tensions are high, like forget it. Tensions were high back then. In that documentary, I remember the Russians were saying they weren't nearly as scared of the Americans as they were of the Canadians. The Canadians were much scared. They said, like, playing the Americans or whatever, he was playing a game. But Canada, you said Bobby Clark just slashed him and broke his ankle in the middle of the game. uh, The lifeblood of a Canadian to say that that anybody can play. Like Don Cherry, who was the coach of of the Boston Bruins or whatever, hated all foreign players. And still All does. Canadians can play <laughs> hockey. That was it. He didn't want to hear Russia or Finland or Sweden or you know wherever could beat a Canadian playing the sport of hockey. And that's how big it was. It was like somebody tr- like trying to play baseball better than you know when baseball was the king. And, and now you can see that other countries, you know, Japan plays it very well. You have all the Latin American countries. But this is Canada's life. But you see how they are in the Olympics. They want to go. The pros want to go. Still, if they could, they would go if it wasn't insurance and whatever. But you can't, you, no Russian is going to beat a Canadian playing hockey. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. That was an intense time, too. That was great sport, too. That's, you don't have that. But as everything in life, all good things must come to an end. But I think for 2019, this was a pretty kicking podcast we did here. My thanks Maybe. to my crew, Melissa leaving early, Stephen again being at the board and, uh, Getting everything done right. Mike and Zach, thank you. 2019 is going to be a great year yeah. for this. Mike did awesome. Sorry about the seven you know, hours of Durant talk that you probably won't be able to hear it's in this podcast. So, yeah, it's dark outside. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This. We watched uh, all the playoff games. You already know the results. Of Your yeah. Durant rants are still some of the best highlights of the of the show. And wait till he comes to New York next year, Mike, when he plays for the Knicks. Then you're really going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Then you can really go on a gallop again, which everybody in New York will love, but... Oh yeah, everybody yeah. in New York will forgive him for oh, of course they Durant will. because if, if Durant be comes to New York and they get a high draft pick, which they're going to, the Knicks cool. will be back. Back, baby. And they'll charge you thirty thousand for courtside seats. The Durantula. The Durantula say is in New York. Yeah, they're gonna, it's go gonna crazy. be Lynn Sanity part two. But yeah, it'll be it'll bigger than Lynn Sanity. Bigger than Lynn Sanity. No, but they thanks, need Jeremy Lynn back. Thanks for listening and uh, we're gonna do this again soon. Past this prime, baby. Yeah. Good job, guys. That was excellent.